Billy, Billy Baroo. Welcome to another episode of the Hoffcast. This is episode 118 for, um, let's see, where are we? We are uh, Wednesday, August 23rd. Um, I here, here we go. Still missing the elusive episode 100. Sure to come in the any day now. Any day now. Stay, stay positive. <laughs> stay upbeat about it. It'll happen. But now we're on 118 in the middle of a um, a double strike. A double strike. The the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild both on strike. So not a lot of work out there for everybody. But that's okay because we got stand up. Oh wait a second. Oh Billy boy, some. Uh, some actors and some writers are feeling the pinch from not having their ordinary day job, so all of a sudden they think, hey, I could jump into stand-up. I could just do that. Sure. Sure you can. Come on in, actor who's never done it before in your life. Now, listen, stand-up embraces everyone, okay? Come on in. If you're funny, bring it on. But I don't like... Big fish swimming downstream, getting into it just because they're having a hard time finding work. Um, I guess, I don't know, if I had a hard time finding work, I suppose I would to try and, like, cash in on whatever cachet that I have. Is that what they call it, cachet? Because you get to cash in? Um, You know, but it just bums me out when I see these actors that... And and then you hear about their acts. Like, you you talk to the comedy club staff. Like, who's who's the best that comes through here? Who's the worst? And they all say the same worst ones. They're all saying the same worst ones. And spoiler alert, it's not a lifelong stand-up. Somebody that was an actor? Or, dare I say, from Saturday Night Live that, um, you know, they weren't really doing stand-up or if they did it at all, very little. And now they're just up there kind of spouting their stories of, you know, B-list celebrity. And I guess if that's what you want to go into, then go in. But know that you're not going to a comedy show. Know that. That's, That's the thing with all the TikTok generation and people that can sell tickets at a comedy club and the YouTubers and stuff that... You know, there's not a logical stage. They can't do a theater, so they're going to go into a small theater, which is what a comedy club is. It's a small two to three hundred person theater, and they're going to go in there. They're going to sell their tickets, and their fans are going to come out, and their fans probably leave saying, "Hey, hey, we got to see the guy." But that, just so you know, that's not comedy. So if you see those dates on your local comedy club's website, don't go to that one unless you're a fan of that thing that they're doing. Don't say, oh, it's Friday night. Should we go see a comedy show? If you see that's happening, find something else. Go to a movie. I don't care. Pick a person that you don't know who they are. Pick, Go to your favorite comedians, but then also take a couple times out of the year to go like take a chance on somebody like ask ask some people who's who's good call the club say who's coming up that uh is not going to sell out but is just fantastic and then go support that person that is unfortunately what uh, a lot of great comics are up against and, and I'll, I'll lump myself into that <laughs> if if i do say so myself sometimes i have a hard time selling tickets in these markets that i've never been to before and people unwilling to take a chance, like, oh, who is this guy? And part of it is my fault. And, you know, I, I haven't been uh, pounding the pavement online as much as I should have been to build the brand, so to speak. But also some of it's like I, I never should have been put in that situation in that market. I had a couple shows get canceled over the summer 
that was like all of a sudden I'm like leaning into these markets that I've never been into, and then the and then the theater calls, you know, two weeks out and says, "Hey, <laughs> haven't sold a ton of tickets," and then then we end up canceling because it's just not financially beneficial for anybody to go do it. And you say, well, that's a bummer because there were a handful of people there that wanted to see it. Not an, you know, not an overflowing handful. Just a, you know, the hand could close around the amount of people that <laughs> wanted to come see the show, which is unfortunate. But um, you know, and, and the bad thing is, is it means I probably won't be going back to those markets, unfortunately, and, until something changes, which I'm working on. I'm working on building. You know, the specials out there. Thanks to everybody that's watched. It's got like 165,000 views now. I'm trying to post. More more content so that uh, my stuff gets out there and gets found by people. And I'll be recording another special this December. So that'll pump out a whole nother hour of stuff. So looking forward to that. That'll be great. But as of right now, there are certain markets where it's just ice cold and can't get into. Um, and I've got some good markets, too, coming to Omaha, by the way. Coming to Des Moines and Omaha at the end of this month, end of August. August 30th in Des Moines and the 31st in uh, Omaha. And unfortunately, that's the Husker home, uh, not home opener, but that's their opening game. And so if you're in the Omaha area, say, you know what, screw it. We'll come watch. And then Hoff and I and, and everybody else from the show will come watch the second half together. We'll hold each other no matter what's happening. No, what, no matter what's going on against Minnesota, we will hold each other and we will cry. We will laugh. We will high five all together after the show. But come to the show first and grab some friends. Tell, tell everybody. If you're not a fan of the Huskers, grab a huge amount of friends and come on out uh, to that Thursday night show. Because Omaha is one of the places where I can sell tickets. It's unfortunate. That happens to be on the Husker opening night. Dog on it. Anyway, we, we we I digress. I digress. Well, I'll, I'll spout out all my uh, all my um, upcoming dates. But uh, that those are those are two that are looking at the calendar, going, "Come on, guys, come on, let's go Des Moines, let's go Omaha, bring it." Um, daddy's on strike. <laughs> I, I need I need to go out there and do comedy with with uh, the other Saturday Night Life <laughs> turds that are just chomping. Anyway, I'm not bitter about it. I'm I'm not bitter about it, but it bothers me. Is that is that bitter? Is it? Can you be bothered bothered without being bitter? I think so. I think bitter means it's unhealthy, and you hold grudges and you're you, you're upset about it on multiple times in a week. Where I'm not. Several times a year, I'll look at the calendar and go, really? That guy? That guy? And you're probably paying him a healthy amount. Therefore, your budget is weakened for marketing the smaller guy that's funnier, that you should spend the money marketing and get a crowd in there. Okay, anyway, now I'm turning bitter. <laughs> you can hear the change in my voice, and it's turning right there. But uh, I want to continue off from where we were last time. I was recounting the summer tour, and we had just gone to Florida and been yelled at by uh, a stranger who was upset with my driving and and Sarah thinks that it was uh he noticed the California license plate. I'm not entirely sure that they saw the California license plate and said I'm going to yell at this guy, but that is possible. Uh he was very angry. He was very angry and it seemed like there was he was bringing more to it than I was with my failure to make the immediate right that he was expecting me to make. But we, we, we left uh, Florida. We got to spend some time down there with family. Sarah's got a couple of brothers down there. Her moth, mom flew down to hang out with us. And um, and then we got to go. Uh, we started our trek north. 
and we got in the car on July fourth and headed out. And and so it was kind of it was kind of weird to be out on that on that day. And we got to go. We went through Savannah, Georgia. We got to stop, and I got to like let my kids eat um, this low country boil, which I had had when I had just been there a month earlier. And it, this place was awesome. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's downtown Savannah. It's a low country boil. It's fairly inexpensive. It was like. I don't know, it's like $13 for shrimp and sausage and corn and potatoes and stuff, and it was delicious, and everybody loved it. Um, and we got to go through that after driving through some storms, and then we got it up to, we had to make it halfway to Beckley, Virginia, so halfway um, from Tampa was about Columbia, South Carolina, a little further than halfway. And we pushed it, and we got up to Columbia, and it was right as the sun was starting to set, and it's 4th of July. So we're going, hey, it's 4th of July. We should go. We're not going to go buy some more fireworks, but we can we can get some fireworks. Ooh, that reminds me. I forgot to tell you. Uh, I've got a video of this, too. Um, down in Tampa, we did buy some fireworks and lit them off. And one of these jacknuts in, in my wife's family must have put the, um, what do they call those big ones that you go down into a tube? It's like the cheapest, like, cool one that you can buy. Like a, um, what do you call it? A canister? Uh, it's a... Um, uh, artillery shell Alter- artillery shell and it comes with like a tube like a 10 inch tube and and you can put these little balls down in with a long wick and you light them and they pop off and it's like it's like what the average joe can afford to like have some amount of impact on the neighborhood <laughs> and we somebody bought some of those and um and they must have put them in upside down or something because two in a row two in a row did not make it out of the tube and it just blew up like feet from us you know they put it probably 20 feet away from us but then it like just like kind of and and sparks are flying everywhere i have a video of it i should have posted the video i will i'll post the video right after i post this uh so you guys can go to my instagram and check out how dumb we are and how we almost got blown up on the third of july but then Going into Columbia, South Carolina, you know, place I don't know if I've ever been. And we're like, hey, it's, you know, it's it's getting dark. We should go find fireworks. So, like, quick Google search. And there, oh, it's happening, like, five miles away. And so let's just go there before we go to our hotel and uh, and check out these fireworks. And, and the, it was at some stadium, some, like, uh, baseball stadium. I don't know if it was the Gamecocks baseball stadium or what it was, but... We just had to get close, and we found some free parking, and there were all these people on this huge lawn that had their you know drinks out and their and their blankets, and they were doing that. And so uh, we we're just like, okay, we're do as the locals do. Went in, went in Colombia, and um, so we just laid out the blanket and just got to sit there, kind of cool and peaceful with the Colombians, uh, <laughs> the Colombians, um, and. Um, and watch these fireworks happen just, you know, half a mile away that were going off in this stadium. And you could see them almost perfectly. There's a little tree interference, but for the most part, you could see them. And you could hear the music that was being played with it. It was just really a cool moment for the family and I. I just kind of was looking at my kids and looking at my wife and going, this is, you know, here we are. This feels like America. We are out-of-towners, and yet we are welcomed with... Well, not open arms, but they didn't care that we were there. Nobody said, like, hey, California plates, get the hell out of here. 
so uh, we got to sit there and watch that, and, and that was pretty cool. And it kind of satiated everybody's need for a little bit of Fourth of July celebration that we weren't getting with the family on that day. So it was a little bit of a bummer to be away from family on the 4th, but, hey, you know, show must go on. And had a show on the 5th in Beckley, West Virginia. And um, this was like a connector piece, you know. When you're when you're putting together a tour, you look at it, and uh, I had the extra weight of I'm doing all 50 states, so we got to hit them all as we're going past. You know, be efficient about it, and I've tried to do that as much as I could. So I had to get a West Virginia show, and I had the Virginia weekend at the Sandman Comedy Club coming up uh, on the 6th, 7th, and 8th. So I was like, let me get something for the 5th in West Virginia. We'll hit that on the 5th, and then I can scrape over and do the club. And so I just... Google searched, you know, just to fill the gap. I just Google searched stand-up comedy in southern West Virginia, and this place came up. It was some dive bar came up, and I hit them up, and they're like, yeah, we'd love to do a show. And so they gave me, uh, you know, a flat fee. Sometimes you work out like a door deal or a flat fee, but they were they were happy to do that. And, um, and then it, <laughs> it was uh, – I show up, and there's like eight people there and you go oh okay eight p all right and it's this small bar so it's not like horrific but it's still you go eight you know 25 would have been cool (laughs) in this place but and they didn't have a stage so you just stand in there and uh and they didn't have lighting so when the host was on oh i gotta tell you I gotta, I gotta tell you about this host. He he's there and he's telling me about he, how he lives in his van. Very nice guy, funny guy. But he's like, I, I live in my van. You know, everything's too expensive. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette the whole time we're talking in the quote unquote green room, which is just the balcony <laughs> or the patio of this place. And he goes, Hey man, I know this sucks. Like the eight people in there. If you, if you like, how much time do you want to do? And I said, I'll do what you guys want me to do. Like whatever. I you know you're paying me like whatever you want me to do I'm fine with it and he goes you know what it's eight people just do like 25 minutes I go fine you know and then he goes inside and he comes back out and he goes hey the owner wants you to do the hour <laughs> so I was like and he was so apologetic he was so oh you know, like had his hat in his hand his cigarettes down he's like I'm sorry man and I'm like hey, it's fine it's fine I've been doing this hour it's it's going to be okay. Okay, this is this is a bad situation, but time moves on. That's kind of my mantra when things are bad. I go, time doesn't move slower when something bad is happening. Time moves the exact same pace, and it will move uh, whether I'm having fun or whether I'm not having fun. It will be the exact same amount of time, and so I just got to get through it. And you know what? Eight people, we had fun. We had fun. Oh, but they, yeah, when the host was on, they turned off the lights because they thought, well, we'll do mood lighting. And I'm sitting there going, well, I can't even see his face. We're just sitting here in the dark in this in this dive bar. And so <laughs> when I went on, I was like, guys, this is weird. Like, just, just turn on the lights. Just put them on. And so we put them on. And I stood there and I talked to everybody. And we, you know, an hour went by. And everybody had fun. The The owner was there. He was laughing. So it 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 happened. And we crossed West Virginia off. But again, I don't know if I will ever be back to Beckley, West Virginia anytime soon, barring a, a change in the, in my ability to attract a crowd in that location. And then, and this, this is another thing that's happening that, well, it's not happening, but it happened, was a month out, I got the call uh, from Sandman Comedy Club that um, 
not only are are they having a rough time, but they are they are actually having a rough time all the way around. So they closed their doors, um, shuttered them for good. Two weeks before I got there, they said we're closing down shop. We're just not operating as a comedy club anymore. We can't go on. So now I've got this three day gap in my schedule. Got a scamper to to get it changed. And so beep boop boop Google Google machine. Here we go, and you find this place in Virginia. And this Winchester, Virginia, the Monument Theater, this nice guy, Irwin, uh, hooked it up. And I got to do that show. And that was a fun show, fun last-minute show there at this in this cool little town of Winchester, about an hour outside of D.C. And so got to continue to cross off Virginia. Then I went in, and we went into uh, New Jersey, which I want to take a second here and talk about New Jersey. Because, guys, I had no idea. I had no idea that New Jersey, uh, West New Jersey, is beautiful. Did you know? Did you know? Were you keeping it a secret from me? All I knew of New Jersey was what I had seen on the Sopranos or the Jersey Shore. You think about these these uh, unsavory characters that nobody likes, and you go, ooh, stay away from New Jersey, if you know what I mean. Um, and then you go and uh, you're driving in to Newark and, and about an hour outside of the city, all these cute little towns, these tiny little, you know, Norman Rockwell towns. I guess they call it the Garden State, so it makes sense. But there's all these cool little spots um, where you go, man, this is out of a fairy tale right here. And we went we went peach picking. We, we got to walk out into this place and pick some peaches, and it wasn't crazy expensive, and they charged you per head to just go in. And then and then they charged you for the peaches, obviously, but it wasn't crazy expensive. We walked away with, like, four giant bags of peaches, so finally we're getting a little sustenance on the road, some some vitamins. Um, and, and I highly recommend about an hour, hour and a half outside of Newark, New Jersey on the east. That's, that's some beautiful country out there, these tiny little shops and these tiny libraries, all this history there. It was really cool. And then we went to a uh, wolf preserve. Um, we got to, they've, got these, they've got a place where there are wolves. And my, my middle kid, Neil, just so into wolves, loves them. Loves coyotes, loves wolves, anything that's kind of dangerous on four legs he loves, but he really likes wolves. And when I saw, oh, there's this wolf preserve, I was like, we got to go do this. So we went to the wolf preserve, and you get there, and it's cool. They check you in, but then they like say, do you want to take the bus or do you want to take the hike up to see the wolves? And you're going, well, hell yeah, I want to hike. Yeah, do you mind? Like, I'm not, I'm not elderly. I want to go. I want to see everything that there is to see on this compound. I want to. I, I want the whole thing. You know, you don't go to Disneyland and, and then say, you know, do you do you guys want to just like uh, just go to this one? I don't know what the. I don't know if that's really a good um, a good way to describe it. But you, you, it's like missing one of the things that you can do in there. You know, it's it's you're going to Disney and all of a sudden you're not you're not seeing Mickey Mouse or something. I don't. That's not great. But you know what I mean. I want to experience it. And so we're like, we'll take the hike. They're like, okay, just make sure you're up there within 20 minutes. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. So I'm like, well, you know, wolves around. <laughs> I don't want to be left behind with wolves. And so we start the hike. Everybody, first of all, everybody's got to go to the bathroom because we had a little bit of a drive to get there. Everybody's got to go to the bathroom. And uh, so once, you know, everybody 
takes their dump or whatever, uh, then we can get on the road. And, and now we're down to like 10 minutes. I don't know how long this hike is, but we're like 10 minutes to go. And and we start hiking, and there's camping that happens there as well. And they're like, just follow the wolf prints. Like, uh, and they go, okay, that must be obvious if you're telling me to follow the wolf prints. But nobody else is here because everybody else is already gone because we had to, you know, take our dumps. And so we start walking, and we end up in this little campground, and we're going, where are these wolf tracks that they're saying? And I'm looking around. Nobody wants to, you know, nobody's making eye contact with me. They don't want to talk to me and my stupid family. <laughs> so we're looking around. I'm, like, trying to find it. I'm like, kids, look around for wolf tracks. Like, what? And they're looking at the ground. Like, where are these wolf tracks? Now it's like we got seven minutes to get up there. I'm going, what the heck? Where is this thing? And and we can't find anything. And then all of a sudden, my oldest goes, Dad, is that it? And up on a tree is this tiny, like something smaller than your hand. Up on this tree is this tiny little sign that's smaller than your hand that has a wolf, wolf print on it. And you go, okay, that's obviously it. But dear God, Nobody said, like, oh, they're up on a tree. They're, uh, we're looking for, like, wolf prints on the ground and stuff. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So now we've got, you know, seven minutes, six minutes to get up there, and we're like, okay, we got to go. And we're, like, hoofing it. It just rains, so everything's muddy and kind of grimy, and we're hoofing it up this hill toward the wolf preserve. And meanwhile, we're looking to the right and to the left. There's all these fences, and, and a lot of them are in terrible shape, and some of them are, like, torn down. And you go... I really hope that's not where the wolf is. I hope that they've done at least the due diligence. I don't know if a storm just came through here and knocked that fence down, but if this is where the wolves are, we're goners. And we're hoofing it a million miles an hour. My wife's like, I shouldn't have worn flip-flops. You're like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? And you, you meandering up. You know, five minutes to go. We got to hoof it. We're all sweating. People are miserable. I'm yelling like, come on, May. Quit picking the flowers. You got to go. We're going to miss the wolves. We're going to be left behind. He said we left behind. And, uh, and you know, four minutes to go, seeing nothing around. Three minutes to go, there's another wolf print on the tree. I guess it's this way. Here we go. Two minutes to go, where the hell is this thing? And one minute to go, this this bus goes past us and, and pulls up around. We're like, follow that bus. And so we're running after the bus. They're not stopping for us. They're like, F you, you chose to do the hike. We hate you. You're not tipping the driver or whatever. Um, and we get up there. And, uh, you know, we're all panting and breathing. And, and there was, by the way, there was no way they were going to leave us behind. The whole thing is, I mean, you can see everybody, no matter where you are, it's like 50 yards up this way and then 40 yards this way. So there's no leave behind. I don't know. That was an empty threat. I don't know what they were doing. But we got up there and joined the group. And uh, and this guy takes you up to see the wolves. And it's like this, you know, you right away you can see them they're there in the fences and they they're coming up because they're expecting their food this is when they get you know they get their treats which is how the people are guaranteed to see the wolves so it's a little kind of cheese domesticated but still really cool to see a wolf and my middle kid was stoked about it and we went up there he told us all about the wolves and how their how strong their bite is and all that and he goes he goes, you can put, if I put a deer up here, like sometimes he said the New Jersey, you know, highway patrol or whatever, you know, a deer will get hit or something and they'll bring it and just drop it off. He goes, if I drop off a carcass in one of these cages, it'll be gone within a half an hour completely. And he said the only thing they can't eat is the, is it the jawbone? 
that he said. That's the only thing that they don't eat is the jawbone or something. Maybe the antlers and the jawbone, but everything else is gone. They just then just puncture through bone and stuff like that with their bite. And you see them, and the whole time he's feeding them stuff, and then they make him howl, which is probably the highlight of the tour. Like you get to see him, but then he go, he plays like a little audio for them, and they all join in there. And that's eerie and spooky and cool, and they're all joining in, and there's a couple still off kind of in the woods that you can hear in the distance. So that was the highlight of it. And then they took us down where his wife, the guy who runs the preserve, his wife was down, uh, and she wanted to show you the, like, lynx or something. They had, like, a lynx and maybe a, a tiny little bobcat or something, and she was showing us that. And her presentation, by the way, they should have reversed these things. It should have been links first, then give us the wolf. The wolf is the highlight, you know. You don't, you don't, you don't, you know, close with your opener, but but that's what they did. Um, and you go in, you see the links. It's not near as impressive. And ninety nine percent of her talk was just about how you shouldn't own one of these. <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty goofy the way she was like she'd give us like one piece of information and she'd be like, by the way, don't even think about owning one of these. Like if you think you can take care of one of these, you can't. Okay? So don't even think about going down and getting one. Because these are beautiful, majestic creatures and they they have claws the size of, you know, razors and, and you go so don't get one. Like if if you go to like a, a tropical, you know, animal place that's selling them, like don't don't buy one because people buy them and they think they can take care of them, but they can't. And you can't. You can't take care of them. So don't don't get one home and thinking it's cute and thinking, oh, you got a cool new pet because you can't have it, okay? You can't have First of all, it's illegal. And secondly, what do you think you're going to do with this when it grows up to full size? What do you think you're going to do when it get, becomes they're highly territorial? This animal is highly territory. So why do you think you walk into your living room, you think this thing wants you in there? No. So why do you own one? <laughs> I'm like, hey, take it easy. I don't own one. I came here to see it. Okay, quit yelling at the customers about like how we do, we can't and shouldn't own a lynx. Okay, I it, it never even occurred to me that I should buy a lynx, <laughs> and now you're sitting here just yelling at everyone for for about forty minutes. She was yelling. In fact, thirty minutes in, a lot of the families, mine included, just walked away from her. She was in the cage, like, doing the talk, doing the spiel. And I would say 15 of us just were like, that's that's enough. She walked us. That was enough. We were walked. We took the hike back down. Even people that came up in the bus were like, we're not doing the bus. We'll just go now. And we all walked down. And they, they felt the same way. They're like, geez, boy, that lady really didn't want us to own a uh, <laughs> a wild cat. And we're like, yeah, man, she she I she really was mad about that. <laughs> but all in all, it was a cool thing. So if you're in the area to do the wolf reserve, I highly I, I I guess I recommend it if you're into wolves. And just listening to them howl was worth the price of admission. Um, but we got to do that. I did a show in New Jersey. That was a lot of fun. Thanks. Big shout out to the dojo there. A uh, cool little comedy club just outside of Newark. Um, that was a lot of fun. Got to run into my buddy, Andy Fiore, who I do the radio show with every Wednesday on Sirius XM. Uh, very funny comic. Check him out. He hooked me up with that show to fill the time when uh, the Sandman Comedy Club closed. So I got to go in there, do New Jersey. Then we rolled in to New York City. And my kids, like, they have this aura about New York City. There's this myth 
that it exists. My daughter's never seen it, but the two boys did when we rolled in two years ago. We rolled in at midnight, and I woke them up in the back of the car, and they were like, what? And I was like, look at all the buildings. Look at all the tall buildings. And we went through this tunnel. Like, it really had severe memory burden for them in that moment so they were and we we stopped by a comedy club it's after midnight but these kids are out in new york city we stopped by this comedy club and there's this pizza place right next door that we got some slices that were like the size of their torsos so they're eating these giant slices walking around new york city this is mid-covid by the way so they were you know everything was kind of outdoors so you see saw a lot more people you know sitting on the sidewalk eating dinner and stuff like that I guess at midnight they're not eating dinner, but they were out there. And um, and so there was this intense memory burn, so my kids were super stoked to go back. We got to see my buddy Che. Uh, we got to stay at his place, which is in Manhattan, pretty close to Central Park. So we got to explore the city, get our New York bagels in the mornings, and go over to the Natural History Museum. So so the kids' little... Uh, you know, baby is bored. Stickers really, uh, really did a good job there, so they they could go and go to the museum. So that was a lot of fun. There's the whole shark exhibit where you see the like a half of a life size megalodon, which was awesome. And the kids had a ball. The kids had a ball in New York. Got to go around and see all the tall buildings. You saw the Empire State Building and took a picture of that. I mean, New York is just this cool spot. Um, and my buddy Che was really nice to let us stay there with him. Uh, and he wanted to show off the new, you know, New York nightlife. So he took us out to dinner one night and as we were making the reservation, we were like, where should we go? And, and he was like, Oh, well, there's these places we can make a reservation. Some of them were all booked up, but there was this one, he goes, Hey, we can get a reservation here at nine forty five. And, and I kind of go, what? Nine, nine, nine forty five. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, 9.45, you know, kids, you know, in the city, dinner happens late. And I go, okay, yeah, I can see that. Dinner happens late in the city, but I've got I've got three kids under the age of 10 here uh, that have bedtimes. <laughs> and, and yeah, we're kind of, you know, circus folks, so we don't adhere to the strictest of bedtimes. But I'm going, it's 9.45, it's a half hour away, so 9.45, we sit down at this place and we... And we order, and then the food comes, you know, 20 to 30 minutes later. We're looking at 10, 15, 10, 10, 20. Then we eat for a half an hour, 10, 50, pay the tab. We're out of there by 11, don't get home till 11, 30. That's a pretty late night. Um, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> all right. And Sarah goes, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And much to the kids, like... I got to give them a big pat on the back because they held it together. Okay, that was up late. We were eating some food that was a little outside the comfort zone. You know, the fish had its head on it. They were eating oxtail and and all this stuff. But my buddy wanted to show us this place, and it was good food. And but the kids held it together, and so it was a really cool experience. And the music was loud. My one kid's like, "Man, this music is kind of kind of crazy, right?" And we're like, "Yeah, you're right. It is crazy. <laughs> this music is insane." Um, and then we finished, and we got to go back in an Uber, and we're home by eleven thirty, eleven forty-five, midnight, whatever it was. Get the kids in bed, tuck them in, nighty night. Dear God, nobody threw up. Thank the Lord. 
And um, so that was a really cool experience there in New York City. Um, and the kids are already asking when we can go back. You know, they, they didn't get to see the Statue of Liberty. They didn't get to do a bunch of things. I think next time I'd do a city tour, like get on a bus and just let them drive us around so we could see a lot more things. Uh, but b- boy, oh boy, the New York really, I think it had a memory burn, even for the little lady this time. I think they are really excited about going back to New York City. So that was a lot of fun. Got to do a show in uh i don't even know where i i was there for two days and i still can't tell you what's the upper west side what's the lower what's i i don't know anything uh but i got to do a show there at the new york comedy club big shout out to them for putting me on um you know stand up in new york is really cool because they it, it feels like a new york art form and all those clubs are cool kind of small tucked in areas and and a lot of them are in the same zone. So got a lot of respect for New York comedy, and that was a lot of fun to get to do a show there um, and cross New York off. Even though I'd already done upstate New York, I got to do downstate New York, if that's what you call it. Um, but that was a that was a blast. So I, that I'll leave you there. I think that takes us through um, through New York, and now we still got to scrape up to Maine and back across and all the way back to California. So, but that is a tale for another day, and. Um, like I said, guys, still lots of dates coming up. I've got uh, Des Moines, Omaha. If, you don't, if you're in those areas, get those tickets. If you know somebody in those areas, just hit them up. Shoot them a text. Be like, hey, go see my boy Nick Hoff. He's awesome. Um, or say, hey, go assassinate my boy Nick Hoff. <laughs> I want him dead. Whatever it is, whatever fills the seats, I don't care. Um, but uh, I'm doing those shows. Then a couple dates with uh, Larry the Cable Guy uh, across the Midwest. And then I got Dallas. Dallas, first time doing this club at the Comedy Arena. So, Dallas, come on out. Come on, Texas. I need you. You're a big state, and I'm looking forward to that. So, let's get it together. And then at the end of the month, I get to do um, I get to do Alaska. Woo! Alaska. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. That one's going to be cool. That's the last state I've never been to. So, you can get all those tickets on NickHoff.com. For those of you who are not following me on Instagram, get on there. Help me share my content. Got lots of cool videos up there. So just start sharing them Just and text them to people. Like that's the best way to get it to them because like sharing them to your stories is cool, but like just take it and just copy and paste that link in a text group thread. Check this guy out. Add him. Add me on YouTube because when the new special drops, booyah, that's how you're going to get it. Uh, for those of you uh, still listening, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Hoffcast. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for being a part of my career. And don't forget, whatever you do, to doom doom better.